0: hello and welcome to the hamumu halloween home horror hoedown i am your host mike Hommel.
1: and i'm your other host soli Hommel.
0: and we're going to take you through 31 scary movies through the month of october like we do every year but for the first time this year we're going to do it entirely in audio format we like to mix it up every year one thing you need to be aware of is that we will be employing a truly ghoulish number of spoilers throughout all of these reviews So if you haven't seen the movie we're reviewing, maybe don't listen to our podcast until you do. We highly recommend you check them out and watch along with us. It's gonna be fun for everybody. I mean, how could it not be? So if you're ready and you've watched the movie, please step inside our lair and let's begin.
1: The Lords of Salem is a 2013 movie that we watched on Voodoo.
0: Voodoo normally costs a lot of money. This was free as long as you're willing to sit through some ads. So anybody is free to watch this on VOOT.
1: Yeah, although you will have to watch commercials, which is terrible. Yeah, Lords of Salem is rated R and has a 101 minute running time. IMDB gave it a 5.1. Metacritic gave it a 57, and uh, Rotten Tomato Critics gave it a 45, while the audience gave it a 29.
0: There's something about those Rotten Tomato audience. They are just picky.
1: They really are. I wonder if there's just a certain type of person that does reviews on Rotten Tomato, or... Not
0: the same type as IMDb, apparently. (laughs)
1: Clearly not. Interesting. Or maybe Rotten Tomatoes people just don't like horror movies. That could be. So, tell us why you picked this movie.
0: Okay. I popped open Hulu, flipped through the movies in our list, and I came across one called Circus Kane, which we may do later. Who knows? It features a scary clown on the cover. Mm. And it's a story of people getting uh, like trapped into a deadly game by a carnival master, uh, ringmaster Ringmaster gene, I'll call him.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: And I thought, hmm, maybe. And so I looked it up, and I saw people in the discussion of it saying Rob Zombie's 31 is a much better movie. And I was like, wait, Rob Zombie did other movies. That's an interesting thought. So I looked at 31 and I couldn't, it's not available on any of their services. Okay. I think we could have paid money to see it, but come on money. Really?
1: Right. We would rather watch commercials.
0: Oh yeah. Maybe <laughs> I went the wrong way there. Anyway, Um, In the process, I saw that, of course, he also made Lords of Salem, which a lot of people said was, I think nobody said it was as good as House of a Thousand Corpses or Devil's Rejects. But also in the process, they all said Devil's Rejects is much better than House of a Thousand Corpses. They're
1: so wrong about that that I can't even understand
0: it. I I don't know what's going on there, but they all said this was pretty good, like those movies. And so I said, I'm going to surprise Sully with a Rob Zombie movie. And that's how this happened.
1: I see. And you did not tell me it was a Rob Zombie movie uh, right off the bat. I did see it at one point because when you pause on Voodoo, it posts information about the movie and it included that. I
0: know. It ruined my game. Because actually, as soon as the movie ended, the first thing that popped up was written and directed by Rob Zombie. And I was going to be like, yeah.
1: And you wanted me to be like screaming and going, oh, my gosh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know if that would have happened, though.
1: I will say that once I saw his name everything it, it made sense <laughs> not that the movie n- not the movie so much but like the feel of it like as soon as i saw his name i was like oh clearly this is a rob zombie movie he has yeah. such a distinctive style
0: yeah but this one is quite a bit different than those other two i would have to say those are very you know wild and crazy and this was much more slow and quiet up until it wasn't quiet towards well, the end
1: Yes, it was. Because it's a different kind of story. It's not a slasher film like House of a Thousand Corpses or Devil's Rejects. It's much more the story of one woman's kind of descent into madness as she's being tormented by witches.
0: Hey, Soli, what's the summary of this movie?
1: (laughs) As I said, (laughs) it is a slower story, but there is still that same Like, Rob Zombie has an aesthetic to his movies that is very distinctive. Mm -hmm. And there are, you know, I think there are just some people, and maybe I think this because I am not one of those people, but there are some people who just understand how, how to put colors and textures and things together in a way that works. And mm-hmm. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> me either. I know sort of what colors go together, but I get very matchy-matchy. And, like, I can look at an outfit that somebody has put together and be like, that's an amazing outfit. <laughs> and recognize that if I had all those same pieces in my closet, I would never put them all on at the same time. Or, you know, if I had, if someone gave me a, you know, pile of furniture and was like, go ahead and put a room together, I would <laughs> not know what to do with it. But And he has that skill. Like, his movies, as horrific as they are, and they truly are some of the most horrific pushing the envelope movies that we watch, Yeah. they are beautiful hmm. in their own way.
0: Just to back it up a bit, just a tip for our listeners. What I do, fashion-wise, ah. is I have all my t-shirts all in a row in the closet. I grab the first one off the rack. I wear it. Later, when I do the laundry, I put them at the end of the rack. So, I just cycle through all my shirts and I don't care which one I'm wearing.
1: No, you do not. Perfect. There's a word for that. I don't know. Awesome? Perfect is the word I would choose, but. It's
0: either perfect or awesome. I guess it's up to the viewer.
1: (laughs) You and your fashion sense. Yes. So, first shot, first line. Uh huh. The first shot is the side of a woman's face. She has dreadlocks, she's in a car, there's kind of a yellow filter. Yeah. So it's, you know, it, you actually said it looked very Matrixy and it yes. did. Yes,
0: well, she looked like she was one of the ghost brothers from the second Matrix ah, movie. yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. It turns out that that woman is Sherry Moon Zombie, Rob Zombie's wife, who he very much likes to put in key <laughs> roles in his movies. Yeah, he does. And the first line comes a little bit later. It is... As I write these very words, the witch... Margaret Morgan gathers with her coven of six deep within the woods surrounding our beloved Salem. And I believe that that is somebody reading the lines from the journal of the witch hunter whose name was John Hawthorne.
0: Yeah, and for that part we got flashback scenes from way back in the 1600s, very exciting. Yes. Well, my first note on this movie, right at the beginning, is that I don't ever need any movie that I watch, without exception, to show me someone going to the bathroom. I can skip that.
1: I fully, 100% agree with you on that.
0: It added nothing. We saw her go in there and, like, wash her face and, you know, she's having trouble waking up. And that was enough. Didn't have to then go sit down and use the restroom.
1: No. I mean, I get it, it does set a tone, I guess. I guess. Because she she did sort of seem like the kind of character who wouldn't necessarily care if someone was in the bathroom. If she needed to pee, she would sit down and pee. Yeah. Like, so,
0: like a camera.
1: Sure. But I also had that note. Yeah. I don't need that. One of the things that I have noticed mm-hmm. with the, the characters that Sherry Moon Zombie plays is they're always naked at some point.
0: Yeah, she. it was the first point. Well, yes. almost.
1: <laughs> and my comment there is if somebody can sleep butt naked, they are paying too much to heat their house.
0: Or they could be in Hawaii. She wasn't. She was in Massachusetts. Yeah, that's not And it was a clearly
1: fall because Lacey was sweeping leaves off of the front stoop at some that's point. That's
0: right. Good observation. So
1: she's paying too much to uh, heat that apartment.
0: Hey, in other news of things that I don't ever have to see, <laughs> her character Heidi was one one of three parts to a terrible morning show DJ group. Oh, they—it was the whole bit where they people they they'd like look at a news story and their comments on it would be terrible jokes with weird sound effects in the background and like sound effects of people going wow wow i don't like that you know whatever. right and the
1: jokes are always racist or sexist uh-huh. or terrible in some way
0: so yeah Again, something I never need to experience. Morning shows.
1: That is one of the things that I am most grateful for Pandora for. (laughs) Yeah. Is that I don't ever have to accidentally be flipping through radio stations and come across talk radio of any kind.
0: Yeah. That's nice.
1: Yeah. However, those three, so Heidi and her fellow DJs, who (laughs) I believe were both named Herman.
0: Yeah, according to the ad, they were.
1: One of them, and they were the three H's, that was the show. One of whom went by the name Herman, and one of them went by the nickname Whitey. (laughs) These three were clearly good friends, and the persona that they displayed while they were on air, was very different yeah. from their real life persona.
0: I liked that.
1: And yeah, it was it was interesting. But I also really, I noted how truly they were friends. They liked one another off air. Yeah. And they were t- looking after, you know, the two guys were definitely looking after Heidi and were very concerned about her well-being.
0: Yeah, because she was a recovering drug addict and doing the whole N.A. thing and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they were making sure that everything was cool.
1: So the premise of the movie then is it starts off with this box, this record in a box that is sent to Heidi at the mm-hmm. radio station.
0: And uh, one of my favorite lines, one of the few that I can share with our audience, <laughs> was... In
1: Ukraine, music always delivered in wooden boxes. <laughs> <Oops. laughs>
0: yes. That was fun because it was funny and that was an example of how they were hanging out together listening to music and there was this whole interaction between them which was very unlike any movie it was more like real life like she did this super weird random thing where he was like i don't know what he asked her but like you know do you like this music or something and her only response was like she winked with one eye and cocked that shoulder and then winked with the other eye and cocked that shoulder and it was stupid and made no sense and he was confused by it and he was like what are you doing and that was like real people. They do stupid, goofy things that no one understands. And it's just people right. being weird. And there right. were a couple other things in that same scene where they did that. And I really liked that.
1: Yeah, they were comfortable together. They, you know, they could be themselves with each other, which was interesting because you don't see that very often in movies.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I also found it interesting because they clearly were the kind of people who. Not that they don't feel comfortable being themselves in normal society, because I think they do, but their normal, you know, their themselves makes other people uncomfortable (laughs) often. You know, they're like kind of fringe characters and, and, you know, very edgy and very um, not interested in what the societal norms are and the kind of people that make other people uncomfortable. And they clearly both felt like they could be themselves and wouldn't make each other uncomfortable. Yeah. So they listen to this record that night while they're hanging out uh-huh. and Whitey is completely unaffected by it, aside from considering it really obnoxious.
0: Yeah, it's not great music.
1: And it immediately puts Heidi in sort of a trance.
0: Yeah, and we see flashbacks to those 1600 witches again, but I don't know if that's what she's seeing or if she's just in a related trance. I don't know.
1: Yeah. And that's sort of the beginning of her decline. Like that's, yeah. that's where, you know, suddenly she starts acting weird and everything starts to fall apart.
0: So I have a question for you. Yeah. First, let me preface by saying I don't think I understood very much of this movie. I mean, I got the basic gist, but there's a lot. This is an art film. It's all got all kinds of images and symbols, and I don't know what it all means, but I can tell you I'm sure it all means something.
1: That is one of the things I like about Rob Zombie films, uh-huh. is that it's so evident that every single nuance of this movie, of all of his yeah. movies, has purpose.
0: Yeah, he put it all there for a reason. Glowing neon crosses on the walls.
1: Everything. Yeah. Literally everything has symbolism and meaning, and I don't get most of it. Yeah. I don't know enough about the the counterculture that Rob Zombie represents. Yeah. Um, I know so little about it that I'm not even sure what to call it.
0: Yeah, and it's not just, like, metal music. He's, like... Like, all the black and white movies that were showing on her TV throughout the whole movie, those were important. They meant right. something. Right, And the lines that were in them meant something, because he's totally into that. All his songs are filled with these lines from old movies all the time. And and the, her she had a giant picture of the uh, the moon with the bullet in its eye, which is the first...
1: Yeah, it's the scene from the very first movie ever made, basically. Yeah, and,
0: and later in one of her weird dreamscapes that she was in, they had another shot from that, the mm-hmm. ladies with holding up the star in mm-hmm. space. So that, was, that meant something too. I don't know. Right. Maybe this whole movie is like some metaphor for the way movies have aged through the years <laughs> or something. I don't know. But that was my question for you was, was all this descent into madness an allegory for drug addiction which is what she actually ended up involved in
1: i don't know because i have the feeling and this could be me being from a very straight-laced part of society (laughs) like i have the feeling that a big part of rob zombie and his cadre like
0: the firefly clan
1: (laughs) sure (laughs) That they, you know, religion and anti-religion are are such a big part of what they do and what they, mm-hmm. you know, they know so much about it. Like all of this stuff about goats having free will and yeah, pigs, you know, all of that, you know, that all comes from somewhere and that's stuff that they know about. So I don't know if it's allegory or if it was just a story about witches <laughs> and kind of a story where the witches won.
0: Yeah, I mean that's kind of a horror thing, is that, you know, you just end by killing all the characters. Not that they all died in this case, but you know, that's that's your shocking finale to a lot of horror movies. Is yeah, I the guess. bad guys win
1: because it doesn't really give off the vibe of yay witches. I mean, they definitely no, seem they're evil. Good. They're terrible. They're destroying this woman's life, and they're very vengeful because, yeah. like, they're not they're not like the idea of you know witches who are protecting the earth and Uh you know the positive the more positive connotation that could be there these are witches who like from the beginning their like whole point was that they were going to desecrate jesus basically or or you know yeah they were
0: super satanic they were yeah hail satan all the way was pretty much all they had to say
1: yeah they yeah they were bringing about the the birth of the antichrist was their goal i
0: guess or the anti lobster
1: (laughs) lobster baby
0: i don't know there was a lot of weird stuff in this movie yeah um but but those witches the modern witches they were a lot of fun they were the three evil women who hung out downstairs below Uh heidi
1: Lacey, who was her landlord, uh-huh. and Lacey's two friends, Sunny and Megan, okay. who was very intense.
0: Yeah, she really was. She had trouble acting like a normal person. She was she just did. being a witch.
1: She did, yeah.
0: One of the most fun scenes was when Lacey politely asked in Francis, the uh, investigator guy. Who's,
1: Historian. Yeah, yeah, he's
0: looking into witches and he thinks something's up. And she invites him in for some tea, and there's a whole tense situation where he's confronted by all three witches. Everybody's trying to act normal, but they're not.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that was that was fun. It was fun, and um, I liked the Francis character. I liked, I especially liked that it was kind of realistic in that he heard the phrase. Um, so the so, the album was sent to them under the name of the Lords, yeah. and then the you know um, Herman just kind of was like, well, we'll call them the Lords of Salem because that's where we are, and yeah, whatever. We don't know where they're from. And Francis right away is like, I have heard that phrase before. Hmm. And he starts investigating, but he doesn't tell any of them. Yeah, that there's anything funny like he, you know, he doesn't know. So he's not going to be like, hey, don't listen to that album or, (laughs) you know, there's no heads up, even though we're watching him do this investigation kind of on the side.
0: Yeah, that was interesting. There's a little ditty in the uh, notes that they were using.
1: Right. Within the notes from the journal of John Hawthorne, who was the guy who was obsessed with and burned the witches. From the you know the original witches
0: yes which i had a problem with he burned these witches by apparently lighting a fire in front of them while they sat back far behind it with black makeup on their faces yeah <laughs> it was not my favorite burning scene
1: i i simultaneously considered that scene ridiculous for exactly that reason uh-huh. and very disturbing because like it was like the black on their faces increased over yeah. time like it was definitely supposed to be showing yeah, them they were like burning up charring <laughs> over time which is a really disturbing image
0: yeah you don't want to see people burn
1: no and they were screaming like the the women who played these witches they went all out
0: yeah they did
1: like <laughs> screaming speaking in tongues like writhing like it was intense but at the same time it was so obvious that it wasn't really happening that it was kind of almost funny yeah.
0: and i don't know I mean, you wouldn't want CGI fire. That's never good. So I, I actually
1: know. wonder if that was kind of an homage to the sort of movie oh, that probably. shows up. Like, that's the sort of effect that would have happened in those movies.
0: Which totally makes sense. That's his thing, is all these old horror movies and other kind of old movies, but primarily mm-hmm. horror movies. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I get it. That could totally be. There's so many little things, though, in this movie that... We're crazy. There was the Sasquatch.
1: I called him a Sasquatch, too. High five. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I totally noted that as well.
0: It was just one in this long series. This is the problem I had with the movie is for most of the running time, all it is is we go from scene to scene, seeing her experience something a little more messed up than before. And so she's just getting a little more, I don't know, like burned out, crazy, losing sleep with each scene. And there's not not really anything new for us. There's just, this time it's a Sasquatch. This time it's a bunch of rats. This time it's a priest being very bad. But that was kind of a dream, only it wasn't. A lot of them are kind of a dream, only they're not. So a lot of the movie really doesn't have a narrative to it. It's just continuing this descent. And that's, not new information.
1: I wonder if we would have felt more of a narrative if we understood more of what all that symbolism was. You know, if we watch a movie that's about the plagues, like I can, I know enough yeah, the- about that. I mean, I know. <laughs> I know roughly the same amount about <laughs> about actual Christianity as I do about Satanism, but good deal. slightly more than, I don't know. But I would know enough to be like, oh, okay, yeah, there's a series of plagues and they're increasingly uh-huh. bad. And so I wonder if some of these things that she was seeing, like there was something at the end of each day.
0: Yeah.
1: If we knew what they symbolized and we knew where those symbols came from, if we wouldn't have... Like, the, the tension wouldn't have ramped up each time.
0: Yeah, but it, I'm worried if I didn't know this came from Rob Zombie, my assumption would be they were like, what else would be weird and scary? Now, now what can we do? And they're just, you know, throwing it all at the wall and seeing what kind of jello-covered spaghetti, which was in this movie, I sticks. also
1: noted that. Yeah. Yes, the, um, the baby she had, the, <laughs> the Antichrist, was born looking like uh, jello-covered spaghetti. Yeah, the thing yeah weird yeah it if i were making this movie it would have included (laughs) a lot of the same things but only because i googled satanism (laughs) or you know like what are things included in satanic rituals
0: sasquatches
1: i did not know that before Uh, this neither
0: did i well that was the other thing i thought was weird which this one i'm pretty sure he had right and i would have gotten wrong is there were crosses everywhere And they were always right side up. And I was like, why aren't those upside down? Or maybe they're going to fall and flip upside down, which happens in so many horror movies. But they they didn't. They were just straight up crosses. There was an evil demon monster who dressed as a nun and was holding a cross. And it was just that. There was no Mm -hmm. twist to it. It was that. Mm -hmm. She went into a church and met a priest who was completely priestly, except he acted evil. Mm -hmm. So very, like not a perversion of the symbols but the symbols of christianity very strange and then maybe the perversion was the fact that they were being used in bad ways although you know now that i think about it a glowing neon red cross is kind of perverse that's like las vegas red light district but it's Mm -hmm. a cross Mm -hmm. there's something to that
1: there was another cross later that was glowing white And had the words Jesus saves on it. But it also, like, it was very gaudy. It was. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That kind of uh, not supposed to make idols out of things. Because there was also the Jesus, like, it was like a picture of Jesus kind of, but it was motorized so that Mm. it had like this Mm -hmm. spinning light behind it that the uh the witches had in their apartment which was very goofy i would
1: definitely call that gaudy too yeah for sure yeah that one actually reminded me of um the buddy christ from dogma yeah that same kind of cartoony look so the modern day witches discuss the difference between destiny and fate yeah
0: they do and
1: i thought that was an interesting conversation
0: yeah, but the way she said it, I didn't really get a difference. She said something about, do you know what?
1: So, say? her premise, or, or the thing that she said was that destiny is something that, that once you know, it exists. Once you know of it, you can change it if you want to. You can yeah. you can do something with that knowledge to change the outcome. Whereas fate. She said it was predetermined by forces stronger than ourselves. So yeah. your fate was your fate. And even if you knew what it was, there was nothing you
0: were going to be able to do about it. Yeah. I feel like the word destiny isn't really that different, but eh, hey, the expert.
1: <laughs> um, I just, I thought that was an interesting conversation. Now, would you want to know your fate? If, with this definition of fate, predetermined by forces stronger than ourselves, so there's no changing it, would you want to know your fate?
0: If given the offer, I would have a hard time resisting that. Like, I mean, you gotta know, but I don't think that's really useful. That would be bad to know, probably. There's probably no good reason to know it. Yeah. What do you think?
1: Um, I think the, the inability to change it makes it I, I also agree it would be hard to not gain that knowledge. But if there's nothing that you can do about it, yeah, the likelihood that it's gonna be something bad in some way.
0: Well you're gonna die. That's right?
1: your fate. And then and then just that's you have that knowledge for the rest of your life. Like that no. doesn't seem beneficial. Now destiny, under her definition, where it's something that is changeable with enough effort, I'm assuming. That one I'm a little less sure about because I think I would still struggle. Like, I imagine changing your destiny is not an easy thing.
0: Probably not. And I'm a
1: fairly lazy person. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And so, I don't know. Maybe it's easier just not to know.
0: Yeah.
1: So this record triggers not... The same response, not just in Heidi, but in all of the women... In the Salem Lifers Society. Yeah. And in order to be in that society, you have to be able to trace your family tree back to the original settlers of Salem. Yeah. So that's the po- That's the, the mission that these witches are on, is that they are seeking revenge on the people who murdered them.
0: Yeah. And they're going to come back and live forever, apparently, as apparently. a result.
1: And And bring the Antichrist into the world.
0: Yeah. And apparently turn Heidi into, I don't know, white-eyed Jesus.
1: Well, yeah, she had a very Virgin Mary yeah. thing going on there.
0: Yeah, I which... don't know what that was other than that she was their big hero now.
1: Yeah, but then she disappears because there's that right. there's that uh, radio report at the end that's talking about how there was the mass suicide, which yeah. wasn't, in fact, a mass suicide, <laughs> but nobody knows that, and that what, 34 women or something? Something Like, all the women in this society commit suicide together, supposedly. And there's an ongoing investigation for this missing girl who, it turns out, through Francis's investigation, we find out is the direct descendant of John Hawthorne.
0: Yeah, so it's like revenge.
1: Right, and that was part of... There was a curse that the witches had put on Salem that they would kill their daughter's daughters and that john hawthorne's legacy or you know his his family would be used to bring about the end of days Hmm. and so
0: there we go yeah lobster baby
1: (laughs) uh yeah it was kind of mission accomplished so did you have any other thoughts about the end
0: two issues one is that there was a mini flesh man and he was weird very weird and he did weird things that's all I have to say about him. Do you have any comments on him? <laughs>
1: no, nope, I agree with your thing, yeah.
0: And then the other thing was this, that sequence, like, it's kind of the final witchening. We, it just flashes all these different images, and it's crazy. Like, some of it is, I mean, straight up Rob Zombie videos, like there's a there's a rock star guy who's kind of giving the devil tongue and just hanging out and dancing with her. There's a part where she's riding on a goat and swinging her arm mm-hmm. around like she's at a bar, you know, like mm-hmm. on one of those bucking broncos.
1: Now that was from one of the lines. Like the the line within the ritual was something about when uh, you when you gave up your resistance and decided to ride the goat.
0: Oh it's still weird, a weird way to it, represent that yes but yeah and the, the rock star guy that was weird because he was nobody from the story or anything mm-hmm. so it's just like why is this guy here is that satan does he look like he's in a rock band that makes sense <laughs> but then the the part that bothered me was special effects that could have come from bad ben it was these pictures like i, I think i can't remember them now but they were I, they were kind of like religious pictures like You know, like a picture of a saint or something. Mm -hmm. And then it would quickly swipe out parts of it with the Photoshop Mm. smear tool. Mm -hmm. And then cut to the next one. And it looked so ridiculous. Like, it was almost like a spirograph. It was just a weird effect.
1: It didn't have the same impact as, like, the transitions in House of a Thousand Corpses. Remember, like, between the scenes. Those were nightmare inducing. Yeah. But awesome. Whereas this was just yeah. That
0: was so weird. Why would you do that?
1: I mean I think it was a, it was about the warping of yeah. of the world and of time and of, you know, everything else, her soul or I don't know. But yeah, it was very cheesy.
0: Yeah, you could probably do that without using a tool that's labelled warp in Photoshop.
1: <laughs> a little on the nose.
0: Sorry, my kitty's making noise.
1: Yeah. Um, I was there were a couple of shots that I noted as being impressive. Uh, one of them was the concert. Like, as the concert started...
0: Yeah, that was cool. The,
1: the Lords of Salem concert, which was really
0: this ritual. <laughs> it was not much of was a no concert. There was no concert at all. There wasn't even an opening band.
1: No. But they, there was this, like, blinding white light coming from uh-huh. the background, and every, everybody was in front of it, so it was all very shadowy and dramatic. And that light made everything, when when the camera was looking at the stage, it made everything in the auditorium look black and white.
0: Yeah.
1: Like it bled out all the color.
0: Ooh, that's related to those old movies, I don't know.
1: I I actually think it was, like it had sort of the same style. But then when it would turn around, looking at the balcony where Heidi was... Which was
0: also really cool.
1: Yes, the color came back.
0: You know, that's interesting, because that, the white light on stage shooting out at the audience that's a movie theater that's a projection you know the movie being this bright light on all their faces Mm. there's something about in this movie that's about movies but i have no idea what it is
1: so do you think it's something like i mean is he anti movie and media and like is it something about how movies are stealing our souls are bringing about the end of days? I mean, is it something um, that... No.
0: no, because I know he's really into those kind of things, into pop culture and movies. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's beyond me, is what it is.
1: I I don't know either. But I agree, there's definitely a, a meaning there that we're not understanding. Alex probably gets it. Okay. So, my my only last note that I want to add in before we do our rating is that... I really actually enjoy Sherry Moon Zombie as an actress.
0: Yeah, she's good.
1: And this was the movie where I enjoyed her most. Like, her character of... um, She was baby in The Devil's Rejects. eh, I was less so. Like, it sort of felt like a nepotism role. I'm like, (laughs) eh, fine. You gave your wife a role, whatever. But But in this movie... She did a really great job. Like, I really... I thought she was perfect for the role. She has the right look. She has the right style. Like, mm-hmm. she played the newly sober DJ woman really well. Um, you know, kind of that sadness was there. And, yeah, like, there was a lot of depth to her character at that point. But then she also played her disintegration well. Mm-hmm. So, I was impressed with her. And I am glad she had this role.
0: Yeah, I, I noticed... You know, I look at the reviews and that's one of the biggest complaints all the time is, you know, he casts her in this and she's no good. She's just whatever. I don't think that's accurate.
1: I I remember we had this same conversation when we watched House of a Thousand Corpses, which is still one of my most favorite horror movies, even though it's it's flat out the scariest and most horrific of the movies we've ever watched. The critics hate rob zombie as a director
0: yeah they do hate him it's it's a real it's michael jordan playing baseball
1: yes (laughs) and i don't understand it i like i honestly don't understand how they can be so blinded by this like how dare he come into our house Mm -hmm. that they don't see everything that he brings to making movies
0: yeah and that's sad sad for the critics it is they gotta broaden their horizons embrace their destiny
1: I wish everybody could see the hand gestures that you used to that, because they were pretty awesome. Well, maybe
0: next year it'll be a video podcast. It will not. Okay.
1: We have only seen three of his movies, though, and my friend Jim, who watches a lot of movies, has said he doesn't like Rob Zombie as a director because of some of the movies that
0: he's made. Yeah, everybody's, in the comments I was looking at, was saying his Halloween remake is not good at all. Yes. Yes.
1: That's, he, he actually said, I will never forgive him for his remake of Halloween.
0: <laughs> yeah. And uh, the, the other movie that I was going to pick, 31, is apparently not great. So mm. it was tempting to try it, but I didn't. Yeah.
1: Ratings! It's my turn to rate first. Bucky! I am going to give this movie a solid four glowing crosses out of five. It has all of the things that I like about zomb- Rob Zombie movies that I've already discussed. It was a well-fleshed-out story, I thought. I mean, I know you <laughs> not flesh babies. Oh. Fleshed-out story.
0: I thought it was a mini flesh man.
1: Um, I know you felt like it didn't go anywhere for a while, but I also like I enjoyed just the the atmosphere of mm. seeing her apartment and the scariness of it and how her apartment was scary to me in the first place. Like, just her well, life sure. in general was a scary situation for me. You know, my me and my... I know what house I am in Harry Potter. Like, <laughs> it was scary. And then to watch it get scarier as, you know...
0: Witches pop witch- up in corners.
1: Yeah. I enjoyed that. And I liked the way, you know, the, the family connections tied in. And, like, I felt like the story was there. So... I'm giving it a solid four.
0: All right, coming out of this movie in the other room where we watch movies, I was looking at a really low score, or at least low mediocre, mm-hmm. because it's all about that 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 arc of how it felt like it could have been a thirty-minute movie instead of an hour and a half, mm-hmm. like like yeah. all that time that we just spent kind of on the more and more of the same thing happening. But then we talked for half an hour, as everyone has just heard, and I feel like I have made more peace with this film. <laughs> and I'm deeply intrigued at the idea that it's about movies because that thing behind her bed and all the movies on the TV, uh-huh. there's something there. But I'll never figure it out, so I guess I don't care.
1: And I don't think Rob Zombie's the kind of creator, the kind of artist, who's going to go around explaining his artwork. No, I don't think so.
0: I think that's all just inside. If
1: he were to listen to this podcast, which uh, he obviously <laughs> will not be doing.
0: Are you sure?
1: Uh, but if he were to listen to this podcast, he would just like laugh to himself and, and greatly enjoy the fact that we are too stupid to get his artwork. Yeah, and
0: I think that's fine. I'm glad we can entertain Rob Zombie. Absolutely. I love your music. Anyway. <laughs> a little fanboy there. <laughs> well, I figure as long as he's listening. As long as he's listening. Let's get a two-way yeah. thing going. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to raise it up a little, but still, this is not on par. I think, you know, if you want to consider all three that we've seen, this was more appealing than The Devil's Rejects. Agreed. Although that did have some really, really fun stuff to it. I mostly don't remember that movie. But anyway, but it's no House of a Thousand Corpses, obviously. Mm-mm. So I'm going to give this a three out of five glowing crosses. So okay, not up there with yours, but Fair enough. it was enjoyable.
1: I, I mean, I think that at this point, like I was so enamored with House of a Thousand Corpses <laughs> that I think I automatically like elevate his scores a little bit just because well, I, I am fascinated with him.
0: That's what I was trying to prevent you from getting the chance to do. I tried to make it so you wouldn't know who this was and you would be like, well, that's a dumb movie. And then I could be like, it's Rob Zombie. And you'd be like, I mean awesome. <laughs> Just kidding. I wanted to mess with your head.
1: Um, I, I had already started to notice the aesthetic of the movie. Like I I had already kind of gotten to that place where I'm not a huge fan of Satanistic stuff like that's not something i'm interested in and i had already decided that the movie was well done and was was pretty Mm -hmm. in a set like like ugly pretty like yeah dark pretty so i don't know it would have been interesting to see but
0: we will never know
1: voodoo spoiled it thanks voodoo all right we'll be back again tomorrow
0: yeah right on (laughs)
1: the lord of